Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dialthegate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Hello, everyone. My name is David Reed. Welcome to Dial the Gate, episode 112. This episode is featuring a friend of mine, Martin McLean, who has uh, is responsible for a number of the props uh, behind me, particularly the two lighted ones uh, right now. We're going to have a up-close and personal look at those, plus a few other pieces in uh, the collection, and some uh, outside of the Stargate world as well. Uh, just a moment here to uh, wrap up the episode for... Uh, wrap up the show for this season. Before we get started, if you like Stargate and want to see more content like this on YouTube, it would mean a great deal if you click that like button, which makes a huge difference with uh, YouTube's algorithm and will help the show continue to grow its audience. And please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next uh, few weeks on the Dial the Gate channel. And... We bring you this show every week for free, and we do appreciate you watching. And if you want to sh support the show further, buy yourself some of our themed swag. We're now offering t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, and hoodies for all ages, as well as cups and other accessories in a variety of sizes and colors at dialthegate.com. From the merchandise tab, you can click on a specific design to see what the items are that are being offered. Checkout is fast and easy. You can use a credit card or PayPal. Just visit dialthegate.com or scroll straight to the dialthegate.com slash merch page. And thanks so much for your support. Let's go ahead and bring in Mr. Martin McLean and uh, talk shop. Mr. Martin McLean, prop maker. Hey. Welcome. <laughs> To Thank you, David. My sets and your pieces are are missing behind me right now. That's because they're actually in front of me. But <laughs> thank you. I wanted to thank you so much for helping to uh, contribute to the set of season two, and I really appreciate you being on. Oh, look! Uh, thanks for the opportunity. I was delighted to do so, and there'll be more coming your way as soon as I finish them. Well, I can't wait, and I can't I can't wait to show them off to fans. I mean, the fact of the matter is, this is not your day job, right? This is something that you do as a hobby. Am I correct about that? That's correct, yeah. Um, during what the do day, you do, work, if you don't mind? Yeah. Oh, I, I work uh, in the software industry. Okay. I'm up in Seattle, work for one of the large uh, software companies up here. Okay. And I work in uh, basically uh, user experience design uh, in different software products and different devices. So that's sort of my day job um, and sort of the out-of-hours job uh, is essentially uh, making props from TV, movies, etc. Um, sort of designing and building those props. So that's what I like to do as a, as a bit of a hobby. I, I am not surprised um, that you are involved in uh, something considering a user experience, considering the fact that, I mean, that, whoa, maybe I should uh, close the boxes before showing them <laughs> off. At least one. The um, So not only are the toys cool, but... The, I mean, I, I very much got the impression, this is the crate that the Naquita, the, the smaller Naquita reactor comes in, um, that I, I get the, it's clearly get the impression that you are a big fan of the unboxing process of the user experience, like the <laughs> Apple, what Apple basically started, like we were talking about earlier. Yep. It's, it's essentially, it's a, it's a process that um, we call owning the last mile, okay. which is uh, making sure that when that sort of, that prop gets into your hands if the experience is, is, is a good one. But the reality is it's just fun to do it as well. So uh, I had a good time sort of making up the cases and all of the labels and everything else. So, so do, I, I want to talk about one of the, one of the, um, the, the blueprints uh, that you sent here, and I'm going to show it off on screen. This is the Atlantis base blueprint. Now, did you design this from the ground up? Yes. So yes. Tell me, um, tell me, I'm going to show it off to everybody. Tell me about this. Well, um, it's essentially this sort of the props and the posters really started from a desire to try and find some merchandise for Stargate. I've been a fan of the show for years and I was looking around for some great merchandise 
there isn't very much mm-hmm. out there. And so I decided to create my own. Uh, and what I did was um, I did a series of uh, technical schematics posters and things like that, uh, like the Atlantis one you can see there. And, uh, and if people are interested in that, by the way, they can download that free. Yes, um, I was about to ask. So yeah. that, that link is going to be, and all the links uh, to what we're talking about, Martin sent me a huge deck of links that are going to be uh, in the description below. So if you're watching this, you already have access to all that content and perhaps more. So this is so, so cool. I mean, it, it, it's hard to, to show on the screen here, but like it's all been thought out and thought through as if someone technical... I, uh, namely you, of course, we're, we're approaching this and saying, okay, how can we, how, how can we take this to the next level? Yeah, it was a lot of fun to do. Um, and the, the wonderful thing about the Stargate fandom is that it's, a, it's an incredible family of people that are super friendly. And so if you do make an error, as I did on the Northwest Pier, somebody will <laughs> pick that up and really? it. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> in, in terms of like what's there, what's located there? Yeah, there was a difference between, I think, um, the model that was used in the television series between season two and season three. There was. And somebody, yes, and somebody picked that up and very kindly um, pointed that in my direction. So it's it's always awesome to get that kind of feedback because, A, it means people are engaged with it. And, and they, B, they care. They, they care enough to do it. And so I'm always delighted to get feedback and uh, and find out things that I can make it better. And I'm always happy to update that, which I did. So hopefully... <laughs> Which hopefully now nobody's up there. The one that's available online will have the corrective. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, you know, what, especially with Atlantis, which changed from Rainmaker's version to a couple of the other vendors' versions, and it was one of the complaints that uh, Mark Savella, uh, the the digital effects guy uh, with Stargate Command, uh, Stargate Command, with Stargate Productions, had an issue with in particularly with Atlantis and the Puddle Jumper, even the Puddle Jumper's design changes, and that was not something that they were going to allow to happen with Destiny. Period. Like, that was going to be... Everyone who had a copy of Destiny had the exact same model of Destiny. So they definitely changed that. Yeah, it's, it's one of the things that makes the, the prop making so difficult because there are no blueprints. Right. Um, or at least there are no blueprints that I possess. And so you're doing everything from visual images and, you know, various bits of research that you can find. And I'm always on the lookout for somebody who will go, I own some blueprints and, and would like to confidentially even share those with me. If you're out there, I'm always happy to do that. <laughs> um, but otherwise, it's, it's, it's kind of a challenge, right? Because you, you want to make sure that you've got everything as accurate as you can. The advantage of it is, though, that when you do the props, you end up doing the props with more studio lighting in mind than the original raw prop. Um, uh, might have looked. You have and to so consider that it's they, been lit, yeah, professionally. Yes. And, and I kind of like that in the end because then when somebody sees it or if I make it for somebody or donate it to someone, then they get it looking as how they remember it on the television show. Uh, so that sort of works out um, fairly well um, in the process. And, and that was, I found that was really significant when I did the Atlantis door control. I did this motion door control um, that that did that. In fact, excuse me one second. <laughs> I will grab it because it's behind me. So this door control here, so it sort of it's looks... Like one of the ones that we sold at PropWorks. But that's yeah. fabricated? Uh, yeah, I designed and created this myself. Wow. Sort of indoor, sort of magnetic. Uh-huh. The faceplate and, and everything. Like that. That, that's pretty close yeah. to what it was. It is. And the and the sort of the trying to make it look exactly how it, how it was with respect and obviously fit the electronics and what have you in there. So... That's one of the great examples of where I think it worked out really positively to be basing it on something you've seen in the show. Although that prototype went through about, I don't know, a dozen different paint jobs. Oh, until you found the one you wanted? Until I found the right one. It takes a while to match. I mean, I was working with Remington uh, Phillips over at uh, SG-1 Props when uh, we were uh, developing the, um, the, the, the Kino replica and he had in that in that original case he had he had uh we were lucky enough we he was lucky enough to have access to the original mold for the interior spheres and uh but just going through the paint process and getting it right and then the sphere on the outside had to have um the ones in the show had to be aged by millions of years let's say having been stored in that gumball machine that it was in forever there's a whole process to it and it's 
you know, you may look at it and go, oh, well, this is pretty awesome, not knowing that there are potentially hundreds and hundreds of hours put into bringing this thing to life. It's crazy. Yeah, it, you're absolutely right. The aging process is an extra layer on top. The paintwork takes the longest, um, I think, of anything to do, at, at least from my perspective, just because you, you want to make sure you get it as, uh, with as few imperfections as possible. Are you talking um, about from a drying perspective or from a selection perspective to get it right? No, from a selection perspective, okay. like the puddle jumper was the worst. Oh, um, God. The giant sort of puddle jumper back there. But um, it was the worst because there is, um, I don't know, a bit like the DHD, there's a, there's at least a dozen different sort of stippled paint layers that go on top of each other that give it this this sort of patina, this sort of look that it that is developed. And, um, of course, none of that is... You know, documented anywhere that, that I have access to as a fan. So um, you end up having to do it yourself. It's rewarding when you finally get it, but it takes it takes a while because again, you only have those those photographs to use as reference, and they're lit from a studio perspective. So often they appear to be slightly different color than they actually were in the prop. That's the thing you you can't um, you can't guarantee that what you're what you're seeing is exactly. Um, what it is that's that's going to to come out in the end. I mean, the 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 fact is, I mean, they, in a lot of cases they change from season to season, or when one of the props got replaced, then you know you got you got another another look at another. I'm just it's just crazy. They one of the things that I have been, and I have not shared this yet because it is it is a re- recent acquisition. Just so you know, um, is a uh, DHD glyph. Oh wow! That's think, awesome. Is this? It's. I think it's Aries, if I'm not mistaken. And so I'm going to put this up on the screen here so that the the listeners can see it. But you assume that it has like the the DHD would have a pretty simple uh, paint job, but the amount and I, I apologize, Martin can't see it as well as everyone else can. But uh, the amount of paint that goes into just the detailing of it that someone sat there and just took a number of different colors. And a number of different passes over it to, to make this piece. And it's, I mean, it's just so cool to be able to hold in your hand and say, okay, uh-huh. this is what it, but it doesn't look like this on screen. At least it doesn't to me. I get this thing and I'm like, this thing's practically a rainbow, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's it. This is it. But it's not what I thought it was because it's always lit. Yeah. So it's just craziness. It's exactly the problem. Yeah. So why props? How did you get into this? You know, is this something that you've been tinkering with since you were little? I mean, where where, where are the roots for this for you? And then, um, then we're going to show some of these off. Oh, okay. Um, I I used to make. I used to be a maker when I was when I was a kid. I used to make like most kids would make model airplanes, and um, but I was always drawn to science fiction. I always loved st- um, Star Trek. Mm. I always loved Star Wars, and of course, I always loved Stargate. Um, Stargate is my favorite, but um, I was always drawn towards um, the different pieces of equipment that they would use on television series like uh, Star Trek phasers or tricorders and things of that nature. Yeah, exactly. I I used to build millions of these things out of cardboard when I was a kid and things like this. Um, And so I sort of, you know, as you sort of progress and you go on and do your professional career, it sort of drifts away a little bit. And then when the pandemic hit, I think it was an opportunity to sort of think, well, I have extra time on my hands. What can I do? And I was um, a little frustrated that I couldn't find um, a lot of merchandise that MGM had licensed that I could purchase. So, and I, I still believe that there's a large addressable market for Amazon and others to do this. And so one of the things I thought, well, I could make my own and then I could share that with fans and that would give them something too. Um, and at the same time, maybe it would inspire MGM to sort of say, well, we're going to license this to some, you know, there's some amazing companies out there like Sideshow Collectibles and others that do incredible work. Um, and maybe that, you know, they might be inspired to sort of provide that for fans as well. And in the meantime, I can just do, do what I can and, and share that around. Uh, the shortage of companies that can can produce this content is um, is non-existent. You know, there are so many of them. The, the fact of the matter, uh, Factory Entertainment, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Factory mm-hmm. Entertainment just put out a, a Borg Queen um, skull and uh, uh, spinal column from First Contact. Oh, wow. And it's absolutely brilliant. 
It is it is absolutely amazing looking. And it's like, you know, why can't we have pieces like this for Stargate? I, I, under, I get, and we have to remember that Star Trek is a behemoth compared to Stargate. But Stargate mm-hmm. still has enough of that core audience that there's more than enough uh, out there uh, for, in terms of fans who would be interested in having this, you know? I, I think so. I think it's it's um, and even then the show was was running actively on television. I was always amazed that there was not more product uh, in market for fans to enjoy. It always seemed like to me, you know, if I put my corporate hat on for a second, I think it's like a missed revenue opportunity from that perspective as well to to help provide that sort of material for fans to enjoy. So yeah, it seems uh, really odd that they did that. But I just so that's where I, that's where I always sort of became interested in the prop side of it. I didn't know how to make them um, when I started. So I so you taught I went, yourself. Yes, yes. I went <laughs> and taught. I, I, I had built. I'm uh, my professional background is computer science and electronic engineering, and so I had built myself a three D printer of reasonably ineffectual quality uh, when they first came out. And I could see the potential in it uh, to be able to sort of take ideas that you have and then, you know, bring them into reality. And so as that technology improved, um, I decided I need to learn CAD because I didn't, I didn't really have a lot of CAD background. I have a lot of like Adobe Illustrator and design and stuff like that background, but I didn't have CAD background. So I went and taught myself CAD. So that took a while um, you know, dredging up all the geometry ideas that you kind of hope that you can bury from school and never see again. <laughs> but they're all back. Um, so, <laughs> so you end up having to go, oh, I remember that. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so that the X, Y, what? Oh, not again. So, <laughs> so you had to bring all that back out of storage. Um, and then that was really great because once you, you learn that, you open up an entire world of design for yourself. Correct. You can basically make anything that you want. Um, within reason the 3d so, well and sometimes not even within reason so the the uh uh the the thing that has has blown my mind and you touched on it a little bit is is the 3d printer technology i mean that has just blown things wide open i um just got today it's interesting that we're talking about props and i know i'm talking a lot about the stuff that i own but i mean this is just because this is this is a my where i my perspective is coming from uh, another company called Regal Robot. They have put out for several years now uh, Star Wars uh, Millennium Falcon Asteroid Field Coffee Table. Are you aware of this oh, piece? Sans piece. Yes. Mine just showed up. Sans the glass. The glass is being shipped separately. The detail of the Falcon is it is a 3D printed Falcon and hand painted. You cannot tell the difference under scrutiny from this and one of the ILM models. The detail is absolutely crazy. And when you've got professionals painting it or someone like you, you know, teaching yourself how to make this thing right, I mean, that's that's really exceptionally cool. So you're saying that the, the pandemic really helped you just kind of go full blown? Yeah. I, you know, you're stuck really um, at home, working from home. Um, you have extra time in your hands in the evenings and weekends, really, and try to stave off the boredom at the end. Correct. <laughs> endless despair of the entire situation um you sort of look to to find sort of a a creative outlet and i'm hoping that um uh, you know that it will maybe other people will do the same and um, because i realize this is a very difficult time for everybody um as this sort of things go on and on but uh yeah that's what got me into it I, i think it had sort of been sitting in the back of my mind for for a long time but i hadn't really got the the tools to be able to create it um you know in my own house and in my own head. So, um, yeah, that's, that's where it came from. It's, it's a lot of fun when you get it. The, the one thing that fans bring to producing prop memorabilia is a high degree of, um, I guess, accuracy about what it has to look like. And I think that's the yeah. event that we, that we bring sometimes. Yeah. It's not, it's so, not a nine to five thing. What they're working on is passion. No, no. It's and then it's off of is passion. Well, it's the North Pier again, right? I mean, if it's <laughs> well, North Pier, you have to go back and fix it. <laughs> so, yeah, it makes it that way. Um, and and it's sort of you get ideas from everywhere. You were mentioning to me the other day that um, wouldn't it be great if the Nakwita generator was like a Bluetooth speaker? And I and, and yeah. I had originally thought about that. It's a great idea. 
but it's been buzzing around in my head for a couple of days, uh, you know, how to solve some of that problem. So, right, exactly. You've, yeah. It doesn't, you know, have necessarily holes for a speaker and on top of that vibration and everything else, you know, yeah. you don't want it to shake apart when someone gets it. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's the other challenge for building these props is that when you see it on television, uh, there can be, you know, several different prototypes or hero models of these various props. And they can be used in different camera shots, right, et cetera, different lighting, different capabilities. Whereas when you build it this way, um, I, have to, I have to squeeze it all into this one space. Um, and I have the advantage of miniaturization over the time when the originals were built and now. But um, I try to keep mine so that they can be battery powered so that people can display them where they want and they don't have cables sort of, you know, all over the place and things like that. So that, that is the challenge, making sure the electronics um, is designed well enough and the software is written well enough to drive the electronics that it can fit into a nice small space. And so, you're yeah. doing things that the show versions didn't necessarily do. And let me, I'm, I'm stripping away everything behind me here. Give me just one second here. Yeah. So. So, for instance, you mentioned, dang it, I apologize everyone for my earbuds. Uh, you mentioned the, uh, the tricorder here. Yes. Now, on, on the show, it doesn't have sound. But this is, this is the Roddenberry Entertainment version that came out. And this one does oh, wow. have, it's, and it's, cool. it's actually extremely noisy. Um, but, uh, like, that's, this is something that when it's it's given to the consumer it has to be completely functional in terms of what it ended up being for the television series as opposed to what the actual prop did so you're you're having to bring a, a lot of stuff to bear just to make it work i am and to try to make it fit into um a very small space as well because sometimes I have to appreciate that I don't have infinite amount of storage space. And Correct. Most, most people don't. <laughs> so I have to make it fit in. Um, and in fact, excuse me, one second. I'll grab this. Yeah. Okay. Um, I said to you the other day, I was working on a sort of a more hero prop version of the Knack with the General. And yeah. this is that. Oh. Uh, so, so it has to, it has all the working, um, the working parts there. Wow. And then all the lights. And, now and you stuff. made this or this is the show? No, I made this. Dude, um, you can see well a lot done. Of there's a huge wiring harness and thing in there. So, oh, so, man. so now, is that um, a sound effect or is that the actual sound of the prop? No, that's the sound of the prop. Wow, um, that's cool. Though I was, I was going to bug you at some other point and inquire what sound the actual generator made when it was in operation. So I think I'm going to put a sound chip in there. Oh, keep talking um, dirty to me. <laughs> So one of these, when it's finished, Dave, it will find its way to you. Um, I, I cannot wait yeah. to show it off. And, um, you know, the, I, I, I love continuing to come across people who have taken advantage of such a horrible situation that we have been handed for the past few years and turning it into something good. You know, actors like Garwin Sanford has, has you know, taken up French and, you know, Garwin is crazy. He's, he never can sit idle. And those of us, you know, who have been dealt a harder hand through this thing have had the opportunity to either let it damage us, you know, or take roll with the punches and then get back up and say, okay, you know, the past two years have been hell. What can I do to improve myself or learn a new skill or, or broaden my horizons? And Martin, you've done a great job. Well, I, you know, I could say the same to you. I mean, both yourself and folks like Sue Ann Braun, of course. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I've stepped up and you, you do all of this work. I know it's a lot of work um, and bring all these great people together with these great interviews. And, and so from one fan uh, to yourself, uh, much appreciate it because it's great to be able to um, have that escape and sort of go and enjoy that content. So, And I know it's a lot of work for you. And I know you don't ever say it, but I know it is. So I've uh, said it. Very much <laughs> <laughs> you're probably I the don't person, that. <laughs> you're probably the person who said the comment about the North Pier. Uh, <laughs> I actually know. I I um I have always I have I have had my issues with the Atlantis uh, models consistently, but <laughs> consistency. But no, uh, that was not me. So there there are a few of us out there who are crazy enough to see that though. 
for sure. Yeah. Uh, before I get into some of the other pieces, one of the things that you sent along here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up on the screen, which made me laugh uh, out loud when I got it, was um, these these darn lightings lights. Um, uh, an ID badge for myself. This was this was really cool. So I'm I'm cleared for Atlantis and Stargate Command, um, gate room operations, rank civilian, and it has has the date that you sent it to me. Um and a little a little RFID chip in it and everything. This is this is really cool. This this made me laugh. So thank you very much. Oh, you're most welcome. So I decided since I was giving permissions, I'd just give you Stargate Command and Atlantis. I was just painting them out. So yeah, you know, I yeah. should go to Cheyenne Mountain and and show this at the uh, at the gate and see what happens. It would be very sad if they let you in. <laughs> right. <laughs> I. I don't think I'd get very close. In fact, they'd probably find me for trying. Yeah. So, uh, be a great like, story, though. Oh, I've, you know, I may just have to try it at some point. So, yeah, uh, Colorado Springs is on my list. Have you been? No, I haven't. I've oh, wanted to go for a long time. So, um, yeah, I will try go there with a badge. And see, <laughs> see if they. Well, actually, there's a lot of fans there. You may be surprised. Martin Wood would go down and. I mean, everyone there knew where that that where they were working was a part of something something larger, and not just Stargate, but other programming as well. So, yeah. yeah. What do you want to go through first? Do you want to go through the hand scanner, the NACWA generator, or the mimic device? Um, I guess the hand scanner. First. Okay, we let's go with the hand scanner first. So, um, I oh, I've got the the screen used one too to compare it with. Oh, great. Yeah, there's a, I, I have a, a great point to make about the screen-used ones. <laughs> yes. So did you have um, an original to base it on? No, side I didn't. By side? No, I didn't have that. And I hit two problems when I designed mine. And the first one was I wanted to print it um, in like a clearer plastic so that it had more of the, the, the prop. Reflection I knew I had the shape. or the, yeah. uh, the, the translucency. Yeah, the translucency of... Uh, the cover because they used an original HPI pack, I think, underneath. Yep. That. Um, I'm sad to say I did own one of those, but it no longer functions. Oh, well, <laughs> um, I mean, is that one of the uh, ones that Stitch offered? Um, no, I actually just, I actually owned it. Oh, um, oh, the device. The device. Yeah, itself. Really? Okay. Um, yeah. So it was looking a bit worse for wear. And so I created that one because. The problem with the translucency is, of course, you can see the electronics. And so um, I think in version two, I'm probably going to create a translucent shell around uh, like an inner IPAC looking case that, that I'll just design a plain one. And then I'll put the electronics inside that. But it just really adds to the, the weight of the piece in hand, uh, unless I sort of mold it in silicon or something like that, which I think maybe the one you're holding is is what they did or the the one that i'm holding right now is it's entirely possible that they molded this one in silicon considering the the translucency of it um, right. but the one that i'm holding right now is yours and it's oh. interesting because it's it's not a a one-to-one scale and mm-hmm. i don't think you intended for it to be because the, the size right. is slightly different but it's almost as if it's a were this real this would be more your interpretation of one that was more functional Absolutely spot on. And that was the approach that I took with it. I wanted to make it, um, a lot of people had said to me, it'd be really good uh, if we could have this as, as a cosplay accessory. And so I knew it had to be enough so that it could go in someone's pocket or, or so that it didn't take up a lot of shelf room, et cetera. So I wanted to make it a little bit more um, handheld feel. Um, and it's it's probably, it's a little wider, it's a little chunkier because back in the day when they created those props, they were a little chunkier as well. It didn't quite have the advantage that we have with modern cell phones, et cetera. Um, I wanted to get away from having, I wanted a very specific display and a lot of people had suggested to me, why don't you, you know, use a cell phone or something like that? And I didn't want to do that. I wanted it to have a very specific function. Uh, and so I, I built the the sort of the LED matrix that you see in there that, that creates the effects on the screen. It's crazy. But, it's absolutely crazy. I mean, I we, we lose we lose one blue dot. You know, I feel yes. for the blue dot that we that we that goes bye bye. But I'm just discovering now for the first time the magnetic dock. I mean, it it it's it only uh, the dock lights up only uh, if it's turned on only when the the things uh, connected to it. I did not know that before, so I'm kind of like. 
This is even cooler. <laughs> That's why it says, I think when I, I sent the, the ruggedized case with it, I, there's a sticker on the side. It, yes. It says, gene is required. And, and, that, and that was from the idea in the base, which was essentially uh, Atlantean devices were only able to be powered by people who possessed the gene. And so I, I thought that should mean when you dock it, then the display lights up a bit like when the television show tried to replicate. So yeah, that's Atlantean life science scanner. Uh, ancient gene is required. <laughs> and then so it looks got... like you're lucky enough to have the gene. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, this is this is the, the the tags and everything because we saw storage um, units and rooms several times uh, in the show, and they all had these tags huh? on them where they were clearly itemized in a database. And yeah. so they would just had a printer that just printed everything out, you know, as in your, I mean, that's, that's what they would have done. You know, mm. everything, everything is ID'd and, and numbered and everything else. And the fact that, and I'm going to show off the, the instruction manual now, um, that you went oh, to the, right. the trouble, not only to create the prop, but to, um, to assemble graphics for all of it as well is just stellar. Yeah. It's, like um, I just, on how to run it. So, so often you sort of some people make some uh, some props and you know they never sort of give you any instructions on you know what to be careful about when you're handling it or you know how to change the batteries or or whatever. Um, so I kind of think the instructions are important. Again, it's coming back to that owning the last mile, right? It's it's sort of having to make sure the experience is is good for people when they you know get it. Absolutely. Well, the thing also that blows me away, frankly, of what you did is that you added. It's going. It's going back to the to the details that um, may have been there. Were this thing actually real? You have this pink glow uh, that you put into the device that I almost interpret as like being the part of the device that is scanning for the gene, that's making mm. itself aware if the gene is present or not. So that if a wraith touches it, it automatically shuts itself off. And then yeah. once a once a an Atlantean gets or Atlantean gets their hands on it again, then it then it starts working again. Uh, but this is so cool. This, how much time did it take from beginning to end, really, to to develop oh, this? Um, it probably takes about sixty plus hours to build it um, and do all the electronics and and what have you. Um, it probably takes in excess. Oh, if you put the design in, a couple of hundred hours um, because the interior and stuff is designed so that everything fits perfectly and all the screws work and, and stuff like that, which is why um, uh, I'm hoping that, you know, sort of someone in MGM will go, well, this would be, wouldn't it be great to create, you know, really commercial products for fans? I mean, uh, that's not my intent. My intent in, yeah. My intent's just to inspire someone to right. go out and, and do that because it's not like I am in the position to be able to produce that. Um, my sort of, plan is I usually make about four of whatever I do. I keep one for myself. I usually send one to folks like yourself. And then I usually um, put a couple on Etsy and I donate the money to my favourite charity. That's usually how I operate. So so that's why there's only ever four or five, sometimes six of these things. There's, there's not. Yeah, you're not, you're not, you're not hammering these things out like cookies. These are. Oh, no, no, no. This is are... sort of, um, and, and I'd love to see even more accurate versions from AMGM as well. But um, yeah, no, that's, that's not the plan. Uh, to do it that way so um otherwise i'll be filling up everybody's house with things <laughs> <laughs> no you know that yeah I, I i get where you're coming from with this this one i did not expect and know even know that you were doing uh the the mimic devices so oh, yeah. um danger alien technology restricted equipment area 51 classified because those darn items keep on going up missing well, um, they keep they keep disappearing. They Something sure do. Um, <laughs> this one, I, you know, I didn't take it. I've got one of the ones. I think it's from uh, Bounty, um, but not not one of the original ones from from season three. But the, I, I, shoot, I should have unpacked it. I didn't think about that okay. to A B compare it. Um, but this, uh, tell us about why you wanted to do this piece, and it also ex- is kind of like. Um, a more practical version were this to exist. It's not like a one-to-one scale again. Yeah, there is, there is a, a one-to-one scale version that I did that's sort of more like a, uh, like a fridge magnet. Uh, it's designed more like it just has magnets in the back. And it's, but it is one-to-one. This one is a little fatter in, in terms of the depth because the electronics have to go inside. Understood. It's, yeah. And I think in the original, 
they had like two little wires that ran out uh, to some of the trees that would go under your, you know, your costume or whatever. And again, I didn't have that luxury because I needed it to, to be self-contained and to work. And so, um, you know, it's a little bit thicker than I would have liked. But there is another thinner version, which is just like a sort of, kind of more like a fridge magnet in terms of the thickness. But um, <laughs> and I, I don't have one here, but um, they are around <laughs> so yeah, somewhere. Let me, just, let me just put this right here and uh, I will I will turn myself. And that's, and that's where it works really well, right? Because if it's it's a cosplay or something. Correct. Like that. Yeah. I, I just can't do their their fish, you know, their fish <laughs> chatter. But I mean, in, in my current form, I wouldn't anyway. So I, I need to. <laughs> Once this pops off, I'll turn into a fish. So this is this is um, this is so cool. This is this is really really well done. It took a long time to design it because it has a very organic look. It almost looks like um, like you know a couple like a shell or something uh-huh. like that. It's, um, and so I don't know how many dozens of iterations I went through, dozens um, of starting again and again and again just to try and get it right. Um, I'm pretty sure it's as close to the reference material apart from the thickness that I could find anywhere um, with the exception that I've sort of uh, got the switch on the side, obviously and stuff like that. But, it's yeah. pretty close. It's pretty yeah. close. I mean, you, you spot this from 20 feet away, you know exactly what it is. Yeah. You know, you'd, you'd have to hold on to it for, I mean, in some cases you'd have to have actually had the, had the original in your hand at some point to say, okay, this is, this is slightly different in design, but you know, again, you're not shooting again for one-to-one you're shooting okay, no. television versus functional, you know, inspired next, almost like a next generation version, if you will. Yeah. So yeah. in some ways I approach it like if, if they were making that proper game now, if they were, you know, remaking Stargate uh, today and hopefully they will soon again, and they wanted to do an episode, some flashback episode that had that prop in it. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, well, how would they build it today in a, in a prop studio just to do that job? And that's sort of the way I, I look at it sometimes. How can it be uh, self-contained? And I did the same with um, I did the same with this, which is the um, the personal uh, life science detector, which is um, <laughs> I did as well. But so that that sort of works very similarly. Um, again, it's nice and self-contained, but organic shapes are, are very hard to, to model. I mean, you, you end up sort of having to digitally sculpt them rather than parametrically design them. So, is it because of their their circular nature, or like they lend themselves yeah. more that way to nature? Yeah, and and there is nature by itself has imperfection, and so you have to design imperfection into the shape. And when the original people made this, and of course I wasn't standing there with them. I'm sure there would have been days when they went, oh, yeah, that, that works. That's okay. But that shape has become immortalized as a design, whereas maybe it was what they could do in the time that they had. They never really thought that that way about it. And so, um, but now, of course, it's become my problem because I have to find a way of um, trying to, to mimic that uh, um, uh, in a way that that's sort of uh, pays homage to the originals. Yeah, it, you, so. have to, it, you have to wonder where... Do you stop? You know, you have they, you have to. For instance, for Rogue One, the uh, the Star Wars story film, uh, the U wing went through, I believe, a nine hundred to a thousand iterations, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. A yeah. thousand iterations. It's crazy number. How many did Ralph McQuarrie do for the X wing? Yeah, <laughs> and it's the no most way. iconic. You know, one of the most iconic space, spacecraft of all time. Yeah. So I would I would have hazarded, you know, five, six, seven, maybe, if that. Yeah. But even his original art is extraordinarily close. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite amazing. I think some of the work that goes into these things is incredible. I mean, there's been some great stuff that's happening over in Hasbro, the toy maker, with their Ghostbusters merchandise. They've done this yes. sort of proton pack and and uh there's not really I wouldn't call it a a toy, I would call it a cosplay replica, really, myself. But the work that they have done is just so incredibly detailed and so much passion and love has been poured into that. And it shows, you know, it, yeah. it comes They were across. made by fans. Yeah, they were made by fans who just happened to be working at Hasbro uh, at the time, I, I think. And I'm hoping that, you know, I would love to see something like the Stargate license, um, you know, be granted to someone like Hasbro. I think they could do an amazing set of products. And, you know, I'm hoping things like the Eagle Moss stuff that we've just seen mm. with some of the, the ships is going to be the start 
of of more of this licensee material becoming available, which yes. would be wonderful. I've reached um, out to them. Hopefully, we'll have someone represented on the show, or at least their products will be, um, because they are they are really at the frontier of that uh, yeah. for the next round of of Stargate products, and I think that they may really set the tone for what Amazon um, may be looking at to do next. So, yeah, so I and think it, you know, I can you, see the standard. Yeah. You make an interesting point. When is it? When is design iteration enough? For me, Stargate is um, is quite personal mm-hmm. because some years ago, my wife got very sick, and um, she's okay now. But we had to go through a lot of treatment and some very tough days. And so, what we would do at night is put on an episode or two or three or four of of Stargate and just escape some of the rigors of the day and some of the treatments we were going through uh, and just go somewhere where there's this great storytelling and great characters and great escapism and in a, in a sense find, um, you know, a place uh, to sort of escape what was going on in the reality of the world. And yeah, so you're I not think... looking for a show that's more stressful. You're looking for a show that's less. No. And more it's one space. of the things yeah. yeah. And I yeah. think, you know, when, when folks like Brad Wright, Rob Cooper and Joe Belosi and others sit down and write this, they do sort of create a great television series. And, and I think undisputably they have done that in so successfully. But there is occasions when the content that they create uh, in some senses transpires that and becomes much more meaningful to people than I think they... Oh, even transcends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it literally transcends that. Yeah. And for me, um, it helped me get from one day to the next, uh, you know, a very bad situation. And so I haven't had the opportunity, but I'd love to, to you know, go up and, and sort of thank Brad Wright personally because I think the work that he's done, I think the work that, that Joe Melosi and, you know, Robert Cooper and all the, the cast and, and all the actors, all the crew that have made this have made something very special in television. Um, and when you meet uh, folks in the show, and I have done on occasions, uh, they're incredibly generous people, uh, incredibly generous, and I think the fandom is the same. Uh, and that's what makes it special for me. So the answer really to the question is, you know, how many times do I keep redesigning it? I guess um, <laughs> until they get it right. <laughs> until I'm happy with it. Yeah. You may be surprised how often I've heard that exact story where uh, the show uh, uh, brought them comfort in the time where they yeah. really needed um, some quiet nights <clears throat> to yeah. decompress and reflect and and uh, prepare for the day ahead. Uh, yeah. And um, it's it's the perfect show for it in many cases because it makes, I, I mean, so. I suppose that there are others that may be better, but not as far as I'm concerned. So not a genre. Not as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's sort of, I just think that they created a sort of a, a, a magical situation there with their creative energy and, and all the people involved. And, and I, I hope people like Brad and others and Joe uh, and all the cast actually uh, have had an opportunity to realize that, but my story is not unique. Uh, you know, I know other people have had similar sort of situations where, and, you know, I see even on Twitter today that Stargate still represents a place of solitude for people who are going through some very rough times. And so I think um, the show is elevated to the best that it can be when it does something like that. Um, so I'm certainly appreciative of that. And I think that's what drives me on. That's why, that's why Stargate props and not Star Trek props and not Star Wars props and, uh, and things like that. It's mostly for that reason. Perfect. I have come to the piece de resistance. Um, the the first piece that I got from you that uh, just blew me away. Um, this is I I've always called it like a micro Nakwita reactor because yes. it's a fraction of the size of yep. the other one. And if I'm not mistaken, it was introduced on uh, uh, in Bounty with the BFG. Um, yes. The big effing gun, as it was called, <laughs> and then seen again in Stargate Continuum. So, what made you want to bring this to life? As I'm uh, sharing it on screen here, um, I think that I I always thought that the idea was very very cool. I always enjoyed um, the design of it. I thought it was a very clever way of solving script problems that occasionally would come up in terms yes. of they need it. it. Was very clever. It was very portable, um, and I thought it just was a really, it was a really out of this world shape produced in this world, and I thought it was um, it was really interesting to do, and so um, I made that one. And you're absolutely correct; that is 
the sort of the mini or the the micro version. The other version that you'll be getting, the one that I just showed you a little while ago with the, the control cone, is much larger. We're going <laughs> to need a bigger case. It's, um, <laughs> I can only imagine. So, um, yeah, so that one's much larger. But, um, but it's the only way to fit things in. And, and the other ones have all the sort of the moving parts as well. So, um, you know, to try try get all of those particular mechanics to work correctly and, and what have you as more of a challenge. So it needs to be bigger um, to do that. Uh, one of the advantages that the original prop designers had that I don't have is they have somewhere to store all of these things so they can afford to make them bigger. <laughs> they didn't have to take them home um, with them at night. And so, um, yeah, so this one will be bigger. So I've sized it out. Uh, not one-to-one scale, but but it's much larger than the one that you're holding. So it will, it well, you've will got make... one sitting behind you, don't you? Isn't that one of the originals? This is one of the originals, yeah. This was um, – the advantage of this one is that it actually has – is it? Uh, it actually has uh, this little portal where you can charge your cell phone from. So it has like a power bank built into the side of it uh, and stuff like that. It does have sort of control kinds and stuff, but it, it's not operational in that sense because it was dedicated to sort of being, um, uh, functional as, uh, a, a cell phone charger or anything else that requires. So it was in. used for the, sh- that one was made for the show and they went ahead, they went out of their way to put a power bank in it. No, I did. Uh, this is this, this part of mine. I did. Um, so I see. Okay. it would have been a good idea if they had have done that. But I got the idea here from on the show when they mass usually Correct. They attach it. So I thought, no, I'm just going to put uh, a similar sort of hatch in there. That's um, a great idea. Yeah. I yeah. was going to incorporate it into the larger one that I've just been talking about. But there are some mechanics that make that a little difficult because the control cones go out and in now. Yes, they do. They, uh, they on the larger yeah. one, they, yeah. they collapse in. Yeah. So. They collapse in. So, um, I needed to work out the mechanics of that. I've worked that out now, but, um, that's just going to make it really difficult to put extra cables in those reactor arms because things go out and, and in all the time. So I haven't given up on the idea though. Um, I'm just trying to work out how yeah, to do it. There's a way to do it, you know, or maybe yeah. it'll be like, you know what, given, given you you have to, you maybe have to choose which, which feature you want. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah, this is, this is the fact that you went out of your way to put, you know, LEDs and in, in the little other pieces. And, and uh, I think we did a test on the, the, the Nakwada reactor didn't it take? Didn't it go like twenty hours before it died? Yeah, oh yeah, no longer than that. I, I <laughs> oh jeez, I think I think I I quit at about thirty five hours or something. <laughs> I just I just turned it off. I'd had enough at that point. I just thought, no, I'm turning this off. I'm just going to tell David it's like twenty hours, and I know it's going to make thirty or something. So at least your show with it on. Great. When it dies, replace the batteries. <laughs> so replace the batteries. Um, so I think the new one, the larger one with all the working electronics, though, is going to be a little hungrier on the battery. Oh, so. okay. I would I would surmise so, but also I mean it's this the scale of it. I mean scaling it up will be um, will mean that there's a larger battery pack for it to go into. So it is. It, it also um, means there's more room for the circuitry as well, which is sort of a bee's nest at the moment. But I'll have to you know, redesign some of that so that it fits in a much more compact space. So well, that's something I'm going to do. It's in the uh, right hands. Oh, well, thank you very much. And I don't know about that, but <laughs> we'll try. This is very, the, the clamshells, you know, these things, these things are not cheap, you know, and I, this is the, the, this is top quality stuff and it means a lot to me. Um, and to uh, the consumer in general, that, that people who design this stuff go out of their way, uh, to make it right if you're going to do it you know so i think that's the nice thing fans appreciate what other fans do and that's um i think that that's what makes it fun to create them um there's a whole heap of things i want to do coming up there's a there's a ring transport control that's that has motion activated lights and sound and stuff oh like for for the wrist um no the ones that control the transport rings uh, that we often see in sort of death gliders, not death gliders, but in, in oh, different... the wall mounts for like the in the cargo mounts. ship. Yes, yes, yes. yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the buttons yeah. that you press. Yeah, yeah. 
So, okay. and I'll, I'm, I want to in, in, incorporate lights and sound and stuff into that too. So, wow. um, yeah, that's know. a distinct Goa'uld design too. So that'd be that'd be taking you a little yeah. bit in a, kind of a ninety degree direction to do something different. It's very different, and yeah. I would love to do some of the other props too, like um, some of the staff weapons and and things like that. At some point, I think that'd be really exciting to do. Again, they're more organic shape uh, sometimes, so mm-hmm. there's a little more challenging, which is nice, but. Um, and one of these days I'll get around to building a bigger replicator and, and things like that. Um, I've worked out how they move, so I know how to at least replicate them running across the table, and that's working, but I haven't got... Like, do you mean like one of, one of the... the yeah, but it's, it's, when it's smaller. It's about this size. It's really quite tiny at the moment, but I'd have wow. to scale up the... Um, but the mechanics just... It's it's a little spooky when you see it run across the desk. Like, yeah, of like, course. Just, we have an averse instinct to those things as most humans. Yeah. So. It really harks back to your comment about going too far, maybe. <laughs> as long as they can't create themselves. That's that's all that I care about, you know. When it when it comes down to it, that's fine. But yeah, I, I imagine at some point, you know, some fan out there is going to take that design and you know, add a, add a few uh, things underneath it to make it go, but make it yeah. walk for all intents and purposes. Now, I've if it's going to be able to bank it. 90 degrees and turn, you know, that may be a little different, but. I was thinking of putting a remote control in it, which would sort of allowed people to uh, control where it went. Um, some people may appreciate it, but then other people who don't like insects type things calling around may not appreciate it uh, well, as much. <laughs> I think of the, the, the droid builders, you know, going to Comic-Con with, with their R2 units driving around. I don't think you'd have as, as like, as kind a reaction to a replicator yeah. walking around the floor. <laughs> I'm like, ew! You know? And you'd have yeah. to have someone nearby to make sure that they wouldn't come and stomp it. Yeah, so, yeah Because anyone be who's, like, on the spectrum or something like that, a little too the other way, they may see that as a serious threat. <laughs> <laughs> Start whacking them on the ground. Dude, that's hundreds of hours. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I this hope is... so that somebody uh, sort of sees these props like David and thinks, gee, I have no idea how to make that myself. And um and is in some way inspired in much the way I've been inspired by people like Adam Savage, um, uh, to go out and learn these skills and create something for themselves. Um I would be very successful if somebody came along and made one of these props much better than mine. I would be delighted if, if in some way they took inspiration and were able to go and do that. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully someone will, which would be really nice. Um, not, not too much better, of course. But- <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to share your information uh, with everybody so that they can get in touch with you. Um, you've put a, a link up, uh, and I will put a link in the, the description below. Uh, your, uh, your, et- your Etsy is through gatebuilder.tech, and people can contact you that way, right? Yes, they can. Um, and so if they, you know, if they have suggestions or things that would be really cool to do, or, you know, they just want to inquire about either building their own or, or even getting one built or something, just let me know. I mean, obviously can't build masses amounts of anything, but um, no, they're very welcome to sort of contact me. And, of course. Yeah. yeah the, I'm looking at your, um, your uh, Stargate uh, Chevron right now. And this is, this is still, I, I, I saw the one you had behind you. I pulled up the one on the website, uh, but I also no, saw that you had one behind you there. This there one? Yes. That one there? Oh, that sorry. Is so cool. Yeah, the sort of lights out. Wow, that is legit. Thanks. Um, and are you planning well, on doing an Atlantis one? Yes, I am actually. Okay. Um, uh, Atlantis is actually um, going to be interesting because it's got all the electronic effects rather Correct. than metallic. Um, the interesting thing about this was just trying to get it to look as metallic as, as humanly possible, but given that it's it's essentially plastic. Correct. Um, yeah. So it's always interesting to to go and try to, to do something like that. Um, somebody asked me, I think a year ago or something, when I built the puddle jumper, they said to me, are you going to build the rest of the puddle jumper? But the reality is the puddle jumper is enormous because... I can see that. Second, I mean, it's... And it's scaled to that Stargate. Yeah, and if I if I if I made the rest of this, there'd be no room in my house for me. <laughs> so um, 
And so it wouldn't do it. And, and oh, so look at there. Okay, so this is scaled to the action figures. Yes. It was scaled oh, my to gosh. Look at that. So there's quite a, a lot, and then the, the roof just sort of you know, straight wow. in. Wow. But, is... but it's massive. And so if I was to build a full scale, it would be too big. I think at some point, my extraordinarily beautiful and understanding wife would say, you know what, we probably don't have enough room for that one, I think. You know, I, I'm, I'm on the verge of being less understanding. <laughs> yes. So. Oh, my gosh. Jeez. Yeah, I'm, I, uh, I'm looking at, um, at uh, the website, and I love the, uh, the, di- the ZPM diorama. This, this, oh. is just, this is just stellar because you've got something that uh, – I love the, that the lights and, on the set and the background light up for crying out loud. That is yes. just so cool. I sold those darn things, and they were a pain in the butt to ship, let me tell you. Um, but so these ZPMs here, are these the toys, or are these custom ZPMs no, for the custom ones that I made that are sort of hollow that, that have LEDs that so they all light up, oh, all okay. light up behind it and things like that. I did have a lady reach out to me um, and asked if I could make her one, which I, which I did. A very wonderful patient lady. And, um, <laughs> And so Krista waited for a long time, and then eventually I managed to get it down to her. And she painted it herself and I think posted some pictures on the site. And it's just, she's just done a wonderfully awesome job. And it's wow. great to see something that started off in my head um, be reimaged and redecorated um, using her great skills as well. And it, it looks fantastic. So, yeah. I would yeah. love to see you take a crack at a zero point module. Um, uh, I did do one years ago. You did. Um, I did, but um, and I quite liked it. But but you know that bit we were talking about before. How many times you go? I thought I need to go back and do a more accurate job. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a fan one done that's immensely faithful. Uh, I was privileged to sell them, so I, I know how they look. the The bottom side of of the crystal detail, the fan ones, they're they're just not right. Uh, and, th- and I'm pretty positive, but that the lid on top of the ones that I've seen is too thick. Um, so it's one of the things that SG one props has repeatedly been saying that they're, they're working on. I haven't seen one yet, uh, um, in terms of accuracy because the translucency, um, you know, the, the, the look of the LEDs and the fact that they, that they just ever so slightly like oscillated in intensity, mm-hmm. um, I would love to have one of those pieces. I would love to have that. It's kind of like yeah, it's a, basically a lamp for for yeah. behind me here, like a like like one of my salt stones. So yeah, they're cool. I love your replicator, by the way. Oh, um, thank you. Yes, that is three um, D Tech Dot Pro. So that's that's a Hungarian uh, uh, outfit, and it's exceptionally cool. I don't like touching it though because I'm afraid that it'll. Well, not not come after me, but you know, like, yes. like <laughs> yeah, that it can, it can only withstand so many moves before it's like okay, the legs are you know. Yeah. But um, I would I'd also love to do Atlantis City of Atlantis at one point. I definitely have plans to do that. It's a complicated build because there are so many spires and um, you know, and and it it almost needs to be large in order for you to faithfully replicate that. Um, what diameter are you thinking? Oh, um, I'm probably thinking about 30 inches or something like that. It would have okay, to be... so a coffee table centerpiece. Yeah, so, yeah. so you know your current coffee table, you're going to need another. <laughs> That's one. This, this one right here is 16, 15, 16. Yeah. And yeah. even at its size, there's, there's only so much detail you can pour into it. Um, I've had to hot glue a couple of the buildings back on. Uh, I, that, that's the, the, time, so. the problem with it and also if you want to put lighting within it even in even in the sort of central tower um it has to have enough space to accommodate that and i that's one of the, the big challenges of all of this prop works is that you, know, you have to you have to design appropriate space for the electronics and so again that puts another constraint on the design um because you don't have the luxury that the show had so um yeah so it will be very much the same problem for the Atlantis City uh, is trying to light that. It'll have to be done with fiber optics. There's no other mm-hmm. way. Um, so, from a, from a space perspective and a heat perspective, 
Um, heat, yeah, the thermals are everything. Trying to make sure that, you know, um, that you don't overheat the model or something like that if people leave it on for. It's, it's not usually a problem because lighting systems these days are, are fairly low power and so it's not really an issue. But, you know, you certainly need to think about it when you design it um, and, and come up with it. So, yeah, it definitely makes a difference. But I'd like to do that one. There's just so many things I'd like to do. There's a lot to do, you know. There's and a lot only so much do. free time to do it in. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> that's well, the problem. Martin, um, it's been wonderful having you on and oh, uh, and talk and shop. Uh, this this stuff has always um, made me excited. And to see fans who are passionate about it and about getting it right um, and not just about doing it to turn a snappy dollar, um, but yeah. about just getting it to people who love it and also for charity. Uh, can you say anything about where, um, uh, in terms of a convention by any chance, where this this stuff may may be appearing, or is that too premature? Yes, I can. No, that's an excellent <laughs> question. Actually, um, my plan is to take the new Naquita generator, the working Naquita generator that I was showing you earlier, the bird's nest Naquita generator, the, the large generator, <laughs> um, and. Um, the plan is to bring that to GateCon next year and, and auction that for charity, which should be really good. Um, one of my favourite charities is the Koala Hospital in down in Australia, trying to basically save the remaining koalas. Most of them were unfortunately killed in these big bushfires about a yes. year and a half ago. Yes. So trying to um, support that, the Macquarie Koala Hospital down there is awesome. They do great work and so... Uh, trying to you know, do it for that. But whatever charity GateCon is nominated will be the one that's the recipient. I don't know who that might be. I think last time uh, it was MS, I think, which is a wonderful charity. I think so. so yeah. yeah. So, they did uh, cystic fibrosis with JR for a couple of years. They did Sea Shepherd, I think, at one point. So uh, yeah. Stargate Productions was always BC Children's Hospital. That was their, that was okay. their charity of choice. So yeah. it's... Uh, it's it's great stuff all around, and it's 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 great that you are are pursuing that. And uh, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person and and uh, and playing with the toys again. Brilliant. Well, look for more. There will be more coming. You will need more shelf space. <laughs> I'm looking. At, you know, rotating these things is a really really nice problem to have. So you don't happen to need a large puddle jumper, do you? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm really blown away. Uh, by the detail on the front of that, for sure. Um, so the puddle jumper has just never been one of my one of my favorite designs. Otherwise, I would have pushed for one. One of the ones that I do want is an O'Neill class Asgard mothership. Uh, so yeah, I'm still, that would be cool. I'm still. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that Eagle Moss do. Um, what I would love Eagle Moss to do is do what they're doing with the Star Star Trek Enterprise D, which is this multi week assembly piece. This massively detailed model. And I would love them to do that with the Stargate. And so I'm sort of... With the Stargate itself? Yes, with the Stargate oh, itself. Okay. I think it would be amazing to do that. Yeah, because um, you, you could put a factor in a diorama into the equation of assembling it. Yes. So for sure, yeah. with, with the gold pedestal design, the traditional stone I, pedestal. I think it would be fantastic and a wonderful sort of ongoing thing for people to build. And they've done great work in the past there. So I'm hoping that perhaps, you know, somebody at Eagle Moss, I'm sure, has worked out that would be a great idea. If not, they're very welcome to the idea for free. <laughs> I've been loving these these build ideas. I, I don't know if it's the they're the same ones who did the Back to the Future DeLorean, but um, that's the one that I saw from years ago. And you, you just build the thing over the course of a couple of yeah. years. It's not it, the, the sticker price at the end of the day is not minute, um, but the way in which they do it is so that, you know, how to eat an elephant one bite at a time. It's yeah. a great idea. It's a wonderful idea. They do a great job of the – I haven't built one myself, but I've looked at other people that have been doing it. I know Adam Savage is doing one with the Ghostbusters Ecto-1. Um, That's right. Some of the animals and the dedication and the care is really impressive. So I hope yeah. that they do something like that. Yeah. Um, if they do, I'll definitely want to get my hands on a copy and, and just do a build for the show. Yeah, uh, so that would be when I, when I break it, at least it'll be on film. So. I break lots of things. It's just not sitting behind me. That's all. <laughs> uh, 
Anything else we want to share, Martin, before we wrap it up? Um, I don't think so. Um, but I super appreciate the opportunity to have this discussion. It's been great to catch up with you again. It's um, been it's it's been uh, a, a delight, and I, I can't stress enough the resources uh, that are in the description below uh, for people to check things out. You got a lot of free content for them, and um, I, I can't recommend uh, Martin's work enough. So uh, if you. if you're if you're uh, seriously interested in one of his pieces, do. Uh, uh, do check out his his Etsy for more information at gatebuilder.tech, T-E-C-H. So, Martin, yeah. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person, sir. Uh, thank you again so much. Uh, it really means uh, the world to me, the uh, the love that you've put into the pieces and uh, for sharing them uh, so openly. Uh, and best of luck welcome. to you in the future. Great pleasure. Thank you, David. My thanks to Martin McLean for making this episode possible and making my set pieces, frankly, possible, number of them. Uh, I am always happy to have uh, fellow fans on to help uh, uh, show off some of the stuff that they are uh, working on and uh, in development for. So be sure to go and check out his website, the details uh, for all of the links of all of his uh, various products. Many of them are available to you for free, are below. Just go ahead and download them. Uh, we are going to wrap for the next two Saturdays. So Christmas and New Year's, we're going to be off. We're going to be returning January the 8th. Hope you enjoyed the trivia from earlier today. My name is David Reed for Dial the Gate. You have a great holiday and a happy new year, and we'll see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producers are Darren Sumner and Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acree. Animations by Bryce Ors. The moderators are Summer Roy, Keith O'Mell, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design is by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots. The webmaster is Frederick Marcoux. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Frederick Marcoux. For inquiries, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.